Here's a great tip from Steve Ramsey, the YouTube personality behind the channel Woodworking for Mere Mortals. To get a really beautiful finish on a piece of wood, sand it first with 120 grit, then 220 grit sandpaper. Use a vacuum to suck up any wood dust, and then wipe the whole project down with a tack cloth. A lot of people would stop there, but Steve suggests taking an old t-shirt soaked in mineral spirits or paint thinner and wiping everything down one more time. Then you're good to apply your stain. Steve Ramsey's channel is so full of useful tips and tricks like that one. We had to ask him to come on our show, and he agreed, even giving us a sneak preview of his brand new beginning woodworking class. Also on this week's episode, Kevin and I were busy working on stories for the magazine, so Peter Martin and Lara Sorokonich filled in for a few segments. The first one's about computers, and another one's about apps that vampire your data plan. I haven't even heard them yet, but I'm afraid they might do an even better job than yours truly. We also return to MatFax this week for the final time and meet a woman obsessed with an app that used to be called Vigilante before Apple shut it down. Don't go away, y'all. This episode has everything you could want for a summer weekend. Technology, woodworking, and even murder. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. We have with us today Steve Ramsey, who is the genius woodworker behind the YouTube channel Woodworking for Mere Mortals, which is awesome. And Peter Martin and I have both been tooling around on there trying to learn <laughs> new things. He was looking at some pocket jigs, and, and I was just trying to figure out how to use a saw. I don't know. <laughs> but welcome, Steve. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks, Jackie. Hey, Peter. It's great to meet both of you. So we wanted to ask you, I know there's some segments on your YouTube channel where you do basics for woodworkers. And one thing we wanted to ask is, for somebody who's really starting out, what are a few tools that they absolutely should have in their workshop? Kind of just depends upon what kind of a woodworker you see yourself as being. In general, if somebody wants to do good hobby level woodworking, I would suggest a table saw. What you can do with a table saw is like 90% of all the cuts you'll ever need to make, you can do on a table saw. If you are just wanting to maybe spruce up some things around the house, fix a broken bench or something, cut a new board, handheld jigsaw covers a lot of ground, and it's real inexpensive. You can get a jigsaw for, you know, $50 or something. Oh, wow. I would have guessed they were more expensive. I feel like I should yeah. do that working at Popular <laughs> Mechanics, how much a jigsaw costs, but... Yeah, and that's one of the things I like to stress is don't spend a lot of money on woodworking. You can get to that point eventually, but when you start out wanting to build things, keep it simple. Don't buy tools just for the sake of buying tools. Buy a tool because it's something that you need to get a task accomplished. Say I was going in to buy a table saw and try not to spend a ton of money, but I want to get something good. How do you look at tools and determine what's worth it, what's not? What's your criteria when you go in to buy a new tool? Yours is probably different because you're so much better at it, but... <laughs> no, it's kind of one of the whole focuses of woodworking for mere mortals is that I try to walk the walk. And so all of my tools are very low-end tools, and the whole point is to show people that you can do this, any of this stuff. You can make amazing projects without a lot of money, without a lot of experience, or even without a lot of space. And so a table saw is a good example. You can buy a fairly inexpensive table saw. Where the money goes for a larger table, saw is going to be more power, which you probably don't need unless you're cutting huge logs. Which, why are you doing that your first time out <laughs> as a woodworker? Yeah, exactly, right? So the second thing that's really important on the table saw is the, the rip fence. And I think that's why a lot of the inexpensive saws are more inexpensive is because they kind of cut back on the quality of the rip fence. And the rip fence is what keeps your board straight as you're guiding it through the saw. Mm-hmm. Without a rip fence, you could cause all sorts of problems and the board could fly back at you and everything. And so 
getting a good rip fence would be the only upgrade I would suggest if you do get a low-end saw. But, yeah, don't spend a lot of money on the saw, and you'll be fine. And, you know, eventually, if your skills start to progress, you might find that I would like a, another feature on my saw that I don't have on this. I'd like more power, but you certainly don't need to start that way. And yeah. You won't even know exactly what you need when you're just starting out anyway. <laughs> so, you know, start small. That's a good point. With the rip fence, what makes a good rip fence? It's just held to the table saw better, or what? When you're saying get a good one? Yeah, probably the cheapy ones that come with some of the low end saws don't stay square to the blade as okay. well, and they, they feel kind of slimsy. They just don't feel strong, I guess. And so, as a result, when you're trying to push a board through your saw, it gets between the fence and the blade and with a saw in perfect alignment with the fence it should just glide through easily yeah okay Okay. so you said that we needed a table saw and a jigsaw what else do we need i highly recommend getting a drill and an impact driver and for a long time i recommended getting a drill only just because i wasn't familiar with an impact driver but once i got an impact driver it changed my life (laughs) (laughs) i think an impact driver is one of the most important tools you can have in your shop and even if you don't do woodworking, just to have it around the house for repairs is really nice. And what it does is it works like a drill. You can't drill holes with an impact driver, but you can drive screws with an impact driver. And while you can do that with a drill, the impact driver has a impact action to it, which kind of pounds the screw rotationally as you're drilling it. So the result is the screw goes into wood really easily and it doesn't strip the head. It doesn't come out of the head of the screw. It's one of those things that's kind of difficult to describe how wonderful this tool is until you actually try it. Where have I been? Why have I not bought this thing sooner? Kind of have to put in the time with the drill so you can know the pleasure of the new tool. Oh, exactly. I mean, I used a a drill for years and years and I was just always frustrated with stripped screw heads and lots of elbow grease trying to push it really hard to keep the head in there. Impact driver, no problem. So for people who want to learn how to use the tools you just described, they can check out your YouTube channel, which is Woodworking for Mere Mortals. But also I heard you have a new woodworking course. I do, and I'm going to break an exclusive with you guys. Oh my God. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) We've been working on this course for a long time. We're hoping to launch it this fall. And the name of the course is The Weekend Woodworker. We just came up with that yesterday, and so we're gearing everything towards that. And what that means is we're going to take somebody from sitting on the couch and binge-watching Netflix to actually going out to a shop and building things. And in six weeks, you're going to be able to build just about anything you want in six weekends. And so, you know, you're still going to have a life. You have to work during the week. But on Saturday and Sunday, you're going to be out in the shop making some really cool things. And the neat thing about this method is that it's not your boring shop instruction where you're going to be doing a lot of repetitive sawing and sawing. I gotta learn how to do a hands-on. No, from day one, you're gonna be actually building a project. That's awesome. It's like the couch to 5K of, <laughs> like of shop. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get off your butt and do something. That's what I need. And then also, Steve Ramsey was in our video issue, which is coming out shortly. So if you want to hear more from him, you can check out his YouTube channel. And you can also check out our October issue, the video issue, which has some more cool tips from Steve. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Time again for our favorite segment, Matt Facts. Matt Facts. It's been Matt Facts. Yeah. It's Matt Facts. This is the third Matt Fact in a row. I got it. Yeah, which one is it? Spell it. 
Well, how many mad facts are left? It's true. Well, maybe Kevin discovered something interesting. A new sort of Matt. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is about the name Matt. Okay. Which, Ooh. as of... <laughs> Boo. As of, well, luckily, Matt <laughs> Allen's not here. As of 2016, 15th most popular baby name, just so you know. Oh. So I looked up what Matthew means. It means gift from God, which is kind of annoying that anybody whose name is Matthew can Well, I'm sure I, I know a few Matthews who think they are. But I also looked on Urban Dictionary. Here's the Urban Dictionary definition. <laughs> the equivalent to the Bible. A sexy guy that liked the women and has a nice toothbrush. <laughs> well. That's a nice balance to the biblical definition. Yeah. He's a gift from God, and he's got a nice toothbrush. You could be both. Yeah. You can have, yeah. What if the toothbrush <laughs> also was a gift from God? Get you a mat who can do both. Any guy with a nice toothbrush is a gift from God, I think. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about Hurricane Matthew, which oh. was in 2016. Does anybody call it Hurricane Matt? That I don't know. I think you can't. I think that they consider the nickname. Does that just separate. invalidate this entire segment? Yeah, it's not a Matthew fact. <laughs> sure it is. Well, the first fact is Matt is short for Matthew. Okay. And then <laughs> the second fact Good is, save. Just screw you, Peter. Right. We're talking about Hurricane Matthew. So Hurricane Matthew, it was the most destructive hurricane since Sandy in 2012. It's the ninth costliest Atlantic hurricane in history. Wow. But there are a couple interesting things about Hurricane Matthew. One is that it caused this huge furor on the internet because one of the pictures of the cloud formation looked like a skull. So people thought it was like a sign. And then it was the ninth most destructive. So maybe it was a sign. Whoa. But it's actually creepy. I recommend you guys look this up. Maybe we can link to it or something. Okay. We can post that on our Instagram. Twitter. Okay. Sorry. Both. We can post that on our Instagram Twitter, which is not a thing. But here's the thing. I was getting really sad because I was thinking Matthew's a gift from God and Hurricane Matthew just killed everything. But I found some stories of people that saved little animals during the hurricane. Like, for example, somebody saved a donkey, and the donkey was pregnant, and it had a baby donkey. So now there's a baby donkey in the world that wouldn't be otherwise. Well, they named him Matt. And then then somebody found an eagle that got swept by the wind and redirected, and it flew into, like, the grill of a car, and they pulled out and (laughs) saved it. Now named Matthew. What kind of, like a... It was a bald bald eagle. A bald eagle? Yeah. Wow. And finally, there was a little puppy dog that lost its foot in the storm, but it was rescued and someone adopted it, also named Matthew. Oh, cute. Try Matt. Also named Matt. I like the cute animal Matt facts. A baby donkey named Matt. You don't like that? That's cute. No. Saving donkeys. Well, that's my Matt fact. I like him. Me too. (laughs) This is a special day. We have no Kevin. We have no Jackie. We're We're, we're running the show. (laughs) (laughs) The inmates run the asylum today. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm Peter Martin. Laris Orkanich is here. Alex George is here. Alex is going to help us figure out how to buy a computer. That's what I'm here for. So you're actually helping my wife buy a new computer. So she has to listen to this and learn from you. Her computer is falling apart. And her computer now is often my computer. So I'd like her to get her own new one so that we can have two again. So she's a Mac fan. That's what she uses at work. That's what she's had for a long time. So Isn't everybody a Mac fan? My brother-in-law loves PCs. Why should we spend twice as much money for a Mac? Is it worth it? For her case, I would say yes. And in most cases, I would say yes still. Windows are a lot better than they used to be. Windows came out with this thing called it was the Surface Laptop. It looks very much like a MacBook Air. And it's way better than like a lot of Windows computers. Maybe you remember using it's much better now but there's still windows doesn't have as many apps the compatibility issues still pop up every now and then so for generally and because you're describing her and isn't but you call like a power user or somebody who really tweaks stuff and makes it like she's not editing video she's (laughs) she's not neither of us it's doing anything too complicated because also there's no reason to buy a 
brand new Mac. By that, I mean there's an entire section of Apple Store that is for refurbished, and that word sounds much scarier than it actually is. In some cases, it's something that hasn't even been opened up, but it got shipped back, or it's pretty much I've only ever bought refurbished Macs in my yeah. entire life, and I tell everybody to do that. Yeah. Wow. Unless you really need the new one that just came out or something like that. That's always my general advice. That's what I've always followed. So in the older versions, are you getting, is it a different processor? Is it the i5, the Intel Core processor that's in a lot of these? Is that going to be, is it an i4 that's in the old one? Yeah, it'll generally be that, or it'll be maybe less memory. But again, the increases in how well they work is... I mean, they're so good even a couple of years ago that unless you are doing high-intensity video games or editing video, if it's not one of those two things that you're doing, there's no reason really you need to get a brand new one. Huh. Okay. So then we'd go to the Apple Store online and there's just a refurbished section of the store? Right. So the downside of that is it's a little bit limited. You can't customize as much as you want to. And you really have to pay attention to the things like how much storage it has, how much RAM it has, kind of the geeky details like that. But those are pretty easy to figure out. So I have questions for you based on whether it's refurbished or new. Yeah. Start with the simple one. MacBook, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro. The Air seems like a waste to me because it's not like she's traveling all the time and wants a light computer. So why get the slower processor and less RAM and all that stuff? Do you both of you guys have MacBooks? Yeah. yeah. Personal ones? Either of you have the Air or do you have the Pro? I, I have, have a, the Pro. Yeah. I have the Pro that's in the weird size that they only had for a couple of years. The super big one? No, it's little. Yeah, it's the littlest have, one. Typical is what? Is it 15? I feel like when I got it, it was 13, 15, and 17. And I have yes. the 13, and everybody I know has the 15. Okay. And I don't think they offer 13s anymore. They do. There's 13 and they 15 do? now for regular MacBooks. And I think oh, the God. Pros might go up higher than that. Yeah, so they have a 15-inch model. That's kind of the more intense one. And yeah, I remember that one for a while. They had the 17-inch, which felt like you were kind of carrying yeah. a little tiny TV or something like that. So the question becomes, which MacBook Air or MacBook Pro? So what is she using a laptop for? It really is just email and internet and like occasional streaming of some things. It's nothing, okay. nothing too complicated. Every time I buy a computer, I just don't want to buy it and then have it be obsolete 10 minutes later when some kind of new thing comes out or once Netflix starts doing 4K and like, oh, your computer can't handle right. that. So I just want to be cautious of that. Okay. So from that, I would say not the MacBook period. I mean, I know you're just missing the error. The error is just, it's for what you're talking about. The differences in performance, I don't think are going to deal with what you're talking about for, you know, why she slows down and has yeah. it all. So she's not traveling very often. She's probably using it at home. Yeah, she's a couple trips a year for work. The Pro, was, the screen's going to be a little bit better, especially if you get ones that say Retina on it. Those are really good looking. So I think it's sounding like that. You should probably go that direction. If you are traveling around, I mean, I had a, I think it was a 2013 MacBook Air, and I use that every single day yeah. as a journalist, as updating websites, swapping video around, and I got rid of it maybe last year. Yeah. So they last a really long time and they can work really well. So that is the laptop that everybody has tried to make as good a product as. Okay. But if she is, she's watching videos, she wants to be able to, I don't know, store her music on there or something like yeah. that. And a thousand gigs of pictures. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Photos are going to be kind of a pain. So in that case, I would say, let's go with the MacBook Pro, okay. 15 inch. So the thing is that, remember, I think it was in October 2016, they came out with those ones that they only had this thing called USB-C. They didn't have like regular USB ports. They didn't have SD cards, all that. She's going to hate it. If it's some new plug that she hasn't had to mess with before, <laughs> she's not going to like and it And she has all. to carry around all the yeah. dongles if there's an adapter and adapters involved, and all that. It's not going to get used. In that case, they usually identify them by when they came out. So this is the 2015 MacBook Pro. She should get something like that. The other thing about that that I would say is worth noting is that 
that so with the ones that have USB-C that plugs in yeah. they were called MagSafe and they're those plugs that oh, detach when you trip over yeah. mm-hmm. they got rid of that in this one and like that kind of sucks yeah, I miss, I like that thing I thought that was a brilliant invention so if she gets one from that era then she'll Still have has that it. which is okay. great and should we also just talk about the kind of RAM that she needs 8 gigs of RAM is enough for most people okay. yeah and then for processor speed is 2.3 I mean some of the MacBooks I saw online were 1.2 is that too low now I'd say at least 2 as long as it's above 2 then she'll be okay Okay, so more than 2 gigahertz. Yeah, that'll handle a lot of, if you're transferring videos, you know, uploading a lot of stuff, that kind of thing. And then how do you feel about SSD versus regular hard drives? I mean, the SSD are a little quieter, but are they worth the extra money? And usually the regular hard drives are bigger, so I feel like in her case, right. probably want to go big versus quiet. The trade-off on that, SSD, which is solid-state drive, a regular hard drive is a spinning disk, and that opens up problems with it can get damaged more easily. And the other part is that it's slower. So if you're like searching around for stuff or you're uploading things from a SSD, you'll actually notice it being kind of faster that way. You know, when you're comparing them, if the price difference is okay with what you're thinking about spending, SSD will probably be more expensive, but that would be something I'd say spend your money on. Okay. On an SSD drive for sure. Good to know. So there was your nutshell presentation of what to look for in computers. And I assume if you went to look for a PC, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to figure out how much RAM it has. You're going to get a processor speed. Again, it all comes down to if you're not doing video editing and you're not playing crazy games on it, last year's model will do just fine. Yeah, perfect. All right, thank you. All right, guys, we are still here with me, Lara Sorokonich, and Peter Martin, and Alex George has decided to sit in for another session with us. No Jackie, no Kevin. No Jackie, no Kevin. They are out on very (laughs) exciting assignments, and Peter and I have taken over. (laughs) For better or worse. So Peter has some questions regarding data usage on your cell phone. Peter, do you want to explain? (laughs) So we're going to have Alex help us figure out what apps are taking all of your data away. I had a bad experience where I finally got rid of unlimited data because AT&T kept upping my bill. And I switched down to three gigs, and I thought that's going to be plenty. And then two weeks into my new month, it was throttled back, and I had nothing. And I figured it out. It's the stupid weather app. It was constantly on. No, not the Apple one, the the weather channel. The weather channel? Ooh, okay. Constantly on, constantly updating. And it ran through like two and a half gigs of data in a couple of weeks. And so that sucked. I had a long time of not being able to pull up emails in less than a minute. But I went on, found it, shut it off. Now everything's great, and I haven't run out at all. But we thought Alex could teach us <laughs> even more apps and things that might be wasting your data that you're not aware of. First off, how do you find that that was the culprit? I just went into settings, then hit cellular. If you scroll down, it shows you which apps are allowed to use cellular data and how much they've used since you've reset it last time. So I looked on there, saw that the weather app had really screwed me and took away its right to do so. For sure. So, and then, yeah, could you tell us, how do you do that if you have an Android? So is it similar? It's different between phones. Like a Samsung will operate differently than like Mm -hmm. a Google Pixel, but it's generally settings, 
is near the top, wireless networks, more, and then data usage. It'll be somewhere in there. You can just gotcha. search for data usage and it'll yeah. usually say. All right. So what other apps are terrible, like the weather app and steal all of your data? I'm not familiar with the Weather Channel app. But what I suspect is that if you go in the Weather Channel app, you can get to like video feed from Jim Cantore getting, uh, with a tornado behind him or something, right? But the major culprit for a lot of this data usage is anything that has video. So if you go into settings and especially for something like Facebook, by default, I think this is still the case, they'll autoplay videos, which means that it's preloading it and it's pulling a whole bunch of data to oh. make it actually look that makes sense. Just like flow really well in your feed. Yeah, And uh, you can go into the settings for it and usually there's an option to don't autoload or whatever. Right. Snapchat is another big culprit because you can go in there and have that set to, I think it's called travel mode. And I think that's still the name they have for it. It makes it so it doesn't automatically pull someone's story and have it ready for you. So you have to tap it to pull the data and then you can look at it. So it takes a little bit more time and it's not quite as fluid as it is normally. Yeah. But that'll make sure that you're not using crazy data all the time when you aren't connected to Wi-Fi. So Twitter is another one that will autoplay videos by default. And for all of those, go to the settings and then it'll usually have an option for don't autoplay the videos for it. The other one, so if you have something like Netflix, I don't think Hulu has this, but they always want you to play it in high definition or some other upgraded version of it that you don't really need if you're just on your phone or just using data. So for that, you go into the settings and there's usually an option. If they're charitable, they'll say only on Wi-Fi play high definition, something like that. So pick that instead. If you're on the train or something, that's the only time you're really going to watch a video outside of a place with Wi-Fi. Right. Because otherwise you're at home or at the office not doing work and watching movies. Yeah. But yeah, usually you're not sitting out in the park watching a video or something so mm-hmm. that one's not that big of a problem i mean instagram has another one of these too it's stop don't preload videos and actually instagram is probably the clearest of all of them you go in profile settings there's an option for use less data and that you can actually just take if that's causing a problem for you huh. i solved that one by just shutting off instagram as a curmudgeon i just didn't, do, I didn't <laughs> use it anymore i'm reluctantly involved as well and an affiliate on that i deleted instagram three months ago way to go i'm social media free right now except for twitter because that's how i get news Kind of counts. That's what I do all day. Well, so that seems good. Were there any other ways to save? Yeah, this other one, it probably doesn't end up using that much data, but it's kind of hidden deep down. So on an iPhone, if you go to settings, cellular, and then you go all the way to the bottom, there's this thing that's called Wi-Fi Assist. And so what that does is if your Wi-Fi connection gets a little wonky, like if you go into a room where there's slow connection, if it's enabled, it automatically uses your data to fill in the gaps left by Wi-Fi. But that'll end up using data as well, even when it has the icon that you're on Wi-Fi too. And another one too that I see a lot is it's a pain and hopefully they'll figure out a solution to this, but if you're in your house, remember to turn Wi-Fi on and turn Wi-Fi off. So when you leave, turn off your Wi-Fi because that's kind of a battery drain too because it's constantly searching for signal and figuring out what's around it. And it's a pain. And I understand it's like saying turn off the water for the washer after you're done. But wait, that's only important if you're worried about your battery going down? Yeah. It affects the general performance of the phone too. I'll try that too. Yeah. An extension of that is if you go in settings general, there's this whole thing called background app refresh. And that if that's on by default and that's kind of always pulling new stuff... So turn that off too. Yeah, if you're having data issues, turn that off. And that means that if you go into Snapchat or any other app, you just have to pull down and have it refresh. It's not just going to be ready for you. Correct, yeah. yeah. That seems doable. Totally, yeah. Nice. All right. Vampire app expert, Alex George. Thanks. Glad to help. We invited Roy Berenson in for a particularly disgusting game that we're calling Dirty AF, which means dirty (laughs) air filter. That's what it means. You guys are rude. That's not rude. It's hip. (laughs) Ha ha ha!
<laughs> so basically, Peter Martin and Kevin Dupsick and I all brought in different kinds of air filters, and you are going to tell us, I guess what, who's the most disgusting person? Oh. Well, Roy is actually going to tell us when is the good time to check your air filters, because it's important to change them, and a lot of us, or certainly a lot of me, don't do that very often. Oh, wait, often. do you see mine? You can change these? Wait. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, right. So let's start with Peter Martin's already busted his out. So what kind of filter is that, and when is the last time you changed it? So this is the filter for, we have a HVAC unit that does our heat and our air conditioning, and it is the filter for that. So it's two feet long, it's a foot wide, and an inch deep, and it's been there since we moved in, so nine months, probably like seven months of use because there are some months where it wasn't super hot or super cold that we didn't need it. It doesn't look terrible. I don't know. I think Roy's going to be the judge of that. It's not bad. I think people moving into new construction should also know that usually that first air filter cycle is a tough one because there's construction. There's a lot of activity in the house and you're moving in. The doors are open. You know, the windows are open. There's recently concluded construction activity in the house. Sometimes ongoing activity in the house, which puts off dust. So many times you have to change that air filter earlier than you would. Now this, you know, I mean, you're due for a filter change, but it's not bad. How much effect would having a dirty filter like this have on the efficiency of our system? I mean, at this level, yeah, you need to change this filter, but this is minimal. Keep in mind that air filters are meant to filter air. Right. (laughs) You might not expect from the name, but... Yeah, I mean, they're meant to get dirty. And the design of the filter and the efficiency of the airflow through the filter anticipates some loading. Industrially, they call it cake when it really... Oh, oh, come on. Some filters, and this is more at the industrial level, are meant to operate optimally with cake on it. So, yeah, you're due for a change, Peter, but it's really not awful. I mean, there's some large particles on there. (laughs) I see hairs. That's not unusual. So I I throw this away, get a new one. I couldn't just rinse it out from the back. No. No. Blow all nope. the dirt off. Save $5. This is a non-cleanable. This is meant to be disposed of. Okay. Where does one get a new air filter? Uh, lots of places. Some old school hardware stores will carry common air filter sizes, but they're common enough items in home centers. Okay. There's air filter stores on the web. That's all they sell. Air filter stores. So, Kevin, what did you bring in? So, this is the cabin air filter for my car. So, not the engine air filter, which I knew existed. Yeah. And by way of answering how often do you change this, my answer is I didn't know this existed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, this is like behind the glove box. I think that's where it is in most cars. So, this is for the air that like comes through your ac and you turn that on this is really not bad at all not bad well now i tell you though you're getting some air leakage in here because you've got some large particles in here leaf particles kevin's filter is corrugated like a file folder Mm -hmm. what is the purpose of doing that just more surface area yeah that's exactly right all air filters the goal is you want that air intermixing with the filter media as much as possible. Obviously, that filter media is going to grab the stuff that you can see, the large gross particles, but it's also grabbing stuff you can't see, you know, the microscopic stuff. So Peter was asking about, like, can he just hose his off in the backyard and let it dry? There are air filters that you clean that way, right? So is there some rule of thumb about what types of things can use reusable air filters effectively and which kind you're going to need to replace every time? Yeah, I mean, that depends on the appliance and your owner's manual, or in some cases, the filter itself will have information on it. I mean, here, it's pretty evident. It looks inexpensive. It is inexpensive. It's got a cardboard paper frame around it, which would 
degrade, obviously, if you're trying to wash it off. In some cases, it's not so obvious. If you see a metal frame, something that looks more durable, and the filter media itself is like a plastic fiber. Mine may fit this description. Mine's a filter for a window unit air conditioner. I usually clean it out every year. Yeah. This year I didn't because it'd been fine, but I also live above a bus oh, stop, and Jack, it's pretty oh. gross. Look at that. Yeah, no, you have black lung, just that. so you know. That is gross. Yeah. Yeah, dirty, well, dirty AF. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's dirty, and this is definitely <laughs> cleanable. Oh. I think the thing that it's a case in point for air pollution because you see a lot of large carbon particles on this. I really think this got worse since I moved above a bus stop on a busy street, definitely. and there's a lot of trucks that come down the street, and I've never seen it look like that. I mean, I wash it usually every summer, and this is like this year just has gotten disgusting. I'm, I was like shocked to see how bad it looked. Picture breathing this stuff in. It's like you've become a smoker and you don't smoke. No, I don't smoke. These are large yet respirable carbon particles. I mean, it's dangerous. You don't want to breathe this stuff in. Do I clean that? I wash it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is I'm washable. Do that right now. Put some detergent, warm water and detergent and a gentle scrubbing. You don't want a hole in this stuff. So you want to go easy with it. You want this thing trapping this carbon. Sure do. So am I the most dirty AF? <laughs> Sorry to say, Jackie. Oh, that's... man. Is, is there a general time frame that we should be replacing? Whether it's well, Kevin's car filter, question. my furnace filter, Jackie's death filter. All, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost all appliances or machines will come with some information if they're equipped with an air filter. In the case of your home HVAC unit, many thermostats today will have a change air filter blinking advisory on it. In other cases, it depends on your activity. Like, obviously, something like this, you know, Jackie's... Death filter. Yeah, the death filter with diesel exhaust. You're going to want to change it or clean it more frequently. In other cases, even despite what the manufacturer recommends, sometimes you just have to check it. If you're suffering from allergies, change the filter more frequently during that high pollen count. You know, I wish there was a rule of thumb. Otherwise, in your home, you're going to want to at least check your air filter every couple of months. Today's guest for our testing table is Ann Jensen Waterhouse, who is another editor on our floor. Are you an editor here? Yes, I'm the copy and research chief at HGTV Magazine. And we found out that you are an aficionado for Citizen App, which I don't actually even know what this is, so we brought Peter Martin to explain. In our video issue for October, we're going to cover it, and we sent a photographer out to try to chase the crime scenes and take pictures of it. But then the other day, we found out that Anne loves this because there was a crane threatening to fall. Yes, well, the Citizen App, they pull 911 calls, and they come in faster than I've ever seen them on the news or anything. So it's like a police blotter. It's like following a police scanner. It's all NYPD and FDNY calls and incidents. So they give updates on the calls and then users can go live and show video if they're in a place, as they say, that <laughs> right. it's safe to do so. When they put so. their disclaimer up, yes. please do not run <laughs> up to a crime scene. Yeah. But there is a chat feature and Usually it can be pretty weird. really entertaining. <laughs> we should explain how it works, right? So you get the app, you make your username, and then I turn my alerts off because it freaked me out. But you can yes. be alerted when there is a crime happening Within near a you. a fourth mile. And so it yes. just pops up and it says, if you are close enough, please take video of this. Yes. And then that's and pushed out to everybody. I think the video is secondary. I think it's right. more like a warning. And then like, also, you could take video and share it with people. Yeah. 
the crane incident that we were talking about, which was there was an alert that there was maybe a crane falling on 58th and Broadway. Which is about a block away. Right, we can say see too. right outside our window. Yeah. I looked it up today, and it turned out it was a plate that was between the building and the elevator that fell. Oh. So then they couldn't get the crate from the elevator into the building. But we were all watching it because, of course, we had the perfect view out of our tower and tons of people were recording it and so that was actually my first live video oh really oh, we were yeah. there for it yeah. i know um got like 300 views i don't think i'm gonna be a video star on <laughs> citizen uh don't don't say yourself but yeah for the most part i'm a little wary of recording them i don't know that criminals want to be recorded right. when they're <laughs> in the act of doing things and also if you're in a situation where you could help that's probably better than recording right. but a lot of the recordings are like huge fires that probably yeah. I'm not going to be able to do anything about. The video that you record, would the right. court ever ask for decide. it? Could it become evidence? Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I are think you going to be called to testify? <laughs> yeah. I think there are a lot of legal issues that might still be outstanding. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but when it was released, it was originally called Vigilante. Whoa. It seems much more aggressive. <laughs> yeah. It got pulled after 48 hours because it went against Apple's rules and regulations yeah. for apps. And it I mean, it seemed or, uh, like it was encouraging right. people to intervene. So they revamped it and changed it to Citizen, and it is what it is today. And what's the appeal of it for you? Like, what do you love about it? I love that, like I was saying before we started, I have a huge dog who I walk a ton of the time, and it will tell you, like, woman with knife threatening <laughs> passersby on whatever street. So and um, So, yeah, I can go somewhere else. But there are also a lot of really amusing things mm -hmm. that come up. I mean, crime is never funny, of course, but <laughs> I screenshotted some of my favorite ones. I would say the topics I see most often are Rite Aid and Dwayne Reed being robbed, banks being robbed, which I really didn't know was yeah. still a thing. Oh, but I didn't know anyone like, did that anymore. Yeah, it's like at least a weekly occurrence wow. in the city. Wow. And probably the top thing people call about are raccoons and possums being in places. <laughs> but my favorite one ever is raccoon and pharmacy of Mount Sinai Hospital. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I really like that you can actually find out what's going on. And you can actually read the updates and see versus us staring out the window and be like, why is everybody doing that? And it seems like it's even more local than Twitter. Cause yeah. If you see something fairly large, you can get on Twitter and somebody will have written, this is what's happening right. here. But this seems even We tighter. checked Twitter during the crane thing and there was maybe two posts on it. Yeah, and uh, it was a huge huge story on Citizen. They have a trending column, which makes it sound like, oh, popular crimes. <laughs> but I think it's really the instance that have received the most 911 calls right. or that people are taking the most videos of. So that you can see for the whole city. Oh, and it's also only in New York City right now, but they're looking to expand throughout the country. Russell Summons is a backer, apparently, uh, where? of it um, and a big proponent of it. But... Yes, I love that if I, like, see police on my block, I can look up what they're yeah. doing there and yeah. almost always figure out what it is. Right. We usually end up this segment by saying, would you buy this? Because you often <laughs> do products, and you obviously wouldn't buy this. And you have already signed up. But would you encourage your friends to sign up for this? Oh, definitely. I really feel like it not only keeps people safe and keeps people informed, but it is kind of a neighborhood watch type thing. And another thing that I love about it is I think that New York City kind of sometimes, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, so I think sometimes in the Midwest, New York can have this view that like 
people don't really do anything or that like there are all these crimes that just go unreported. And so I think it's somewhat encouraging to see that, hey, if somebody's getting beaten up, people are calling about right. it. <laughs> and right. it's not just this mob mentality. And there are also encouraging posts about it. Like the other day I saw one of pedestrians banding together to lift a car off of a child who was involved in a car oh, accident. Wow. So it can also be really encouraging. Cool. Good. Yeah, right. Thanks. So that's our show. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by Brandcasters, Inc. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think about what we're doing. And if you want to read more about woodworking, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.